Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Scoopy Radio. In the aux cord, in the suitcase, in the back of the trunk, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram, Scoop underscore B, Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. And make sure you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, everywhere in between. You know it's a party when Queens is in the building. And make no exception when super producer Ty Fife joins us on the pod via phone. What's going on, Chief? Everything is good, man. Can't complain. Ty Fife, also known as a sugarless. I don't think you go by that anymore. <laughs> nah, not at all. I did that for some other reasons. Basically, I was under a contract, so I had to uh, switch my name up so I can get some money. I don't know what it is. You and Nori. Nori Ager was Nori Ager, then he became Nori. There's <laughs> water out in that city, in that borough. <laughs> Y'all know how to switch names and still get bread. And oh, my dude, man. I knew him for years. <laughs> He's good. Listen, as I was doing my research and I was um, just, you and I met a couple years ago out at CBS, and uh-huh. um, I didn't know who you, who you was, who you was. And then when I found out who you was, I was like, oh, shit, like, you you somebody. I mean, you somebody regardless, but the names that you've worked with, just for those listening, you've worked with Irv Gotti, you've worked with Bone Thugs and Harmony, yeah. Click Rick, Blackstreet early on, uh, Foxy Brown, Cannabis, Jay-Z, Redman, Styles P, 50 Cent, Rakim. Busta Rhymes, bro, there's everything humble about you, but that's a lot of people to uh, to, to, to fit in one sentence that you worked with. I'm just regular, man. I just try to stay current, you know what I'm saying? I just, I'm, I, I love what I do, you know? All right, so I'm going to take it straight head on. You worked with Jay. Um, you yep. Probably one of the, the most underrated songs um, that's out there was with Emil uh, uh-huh. and Jay. Um, yep. Bro, do you still talk to Emil? Where in the world is Emil? I don't know where Emil is. God bless her. I'm sure she's a beautiful person when I met her. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know what happened with that whole Rockefeller thing. But I know that record was supposed to have been a lot bigger than it was. Because I actually made that record for Jay-Z. 
Okay. Okay. And, and Dame and Jay picked it for their artists because I guess because they already had mad shit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And this was for the fans, right? That was the name of the yep. song? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So walk me through this process. You said Jay and Dame picked that song. When the when the vocals were laid, where was everybody? Were you in the studio with Jay? Were you in the studio with all those folks that were on in that They mixed that you- it up. They mixed it up. I went to a bleach session. Like, after they bought the beat, mm-hmm. uh, they made they made studio time for uh for Bleak. He he made his verse first. That's why in the beginning you hear him say my name. Mhm. Cause I you know basically I you know he shouted me out because I was in the studio with him. And then there was another session where they had uh, Beans do his verse. Okay. So then after that, I guess the mill did her thing. And then you know it was crazy because it was like weeks in. And then all of a sudden, I'm walking through the halls of Death Jam when Death Jam was in, you know, Times Square. And I see, mm-hmm. I see Hove, and Hove is like, you know, I made the beat for him. I was a little tight, you know what I'm saying? Because I made it just for him, for his album. So I, I never made his album. And, you know, after all this, this guy comes up to me. You know how to, you know how to get on that beat, right? <laughs> it wasn't even supposed to, I made it for him. He bought it for his artist. It wasn't supposed to be where he got on it and then, you know, I guess he loved it so much. He was like, yo, I had to get on that beat. Top Fife on the line with Scoop B Radio talking about uh, people he's worked with. Uh, Queens native. Um, you you mentioned something and I want to take a step back. You, you talked about Emil. What would Emil have been, I mean, who, who do you think she paved the way for um, that's in hip-hop current? Uh, I guess female, I mean, more, you know, she wasn't the first, but she was one of the first leading ladies of rock. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, after that, they had, like, the Tierra Marie's and whatever else they're doing, I guess they had, you know, Amel as the front line, the first girl. Because mm-hmm. Foxy wasn't signed to rock at that time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Scoopy ready on the line talking to High Five. You um work with Teddy Riley. I've heard stories um just about his house projects and everybody coming to record music over there. I remember uh I spoke to Michael Bivens and Michael Bivens would talk about this Teddy Riley's recording studio in Harlem. Were you uh-huh. privileged to work there with Teddy Riley in Harlem? In Harlem, I didn't meet him. I just I used to hear all his music on the radio. I didn't meet him until 92. uh, And basically, I went to Virginia for the wrong reasons. Uh, (laughs) And uh, basically, a friend of mine uh, by the name of Franklin Grant was uh, Teddy's engineer. Right. So I was out there, you know, I was doing music as a, you know, as a, a hobby. And, you know, Franklin was trying to get in touch with me. And it was like weeks after, you know, I was calling my mom because I was in, I was in uh, Virginia. She was back in New York. So like two, three weeks after I, I got the message, uh, he says, come by the studio. So then mm-hmm. he has a studio in Virginia Beach. And I was just down there. Uh, and I had a, a meeting set up with him. So I went to the meeting and I had a demo on a group I was working with. And he was listening to it. 
and listened to like maybe six songs. So, you know, I was kind of amazed. I met Ted, Teddy Riley right then and there. And then boom, wouldn't you know it when I'm leaving, you know, I'm like, damn, nothing happened. <laughs> so something was going to happen. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. When I got to my car in the parking lot, Franklin runs out and says, yo, Ted loves your music. He wants to sign you as a, as a producer. Wow. And from there, um, my whole life changed. You know what I mean? Pretty much, I, um, I got an apartment. I got my first car. I was on the Rex and the Feck album. I did half the album with Teddy. Uh, I did the single Rum Shaker with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just to set the record straight, me and him did the record. Scoop B Radio. Scoop with Top 5. Um, you, being a Queens native, I'm sure you ran across um, legends. Either you knew them, you grew up with them, you around the corner. Um, two people in Queens um, that are intriguing to many, uh, even in his death, one, Anthony Mason, uh, a former New York Nick. Yeah, it's crazy because one of my friends I went to school with was a relative to him. Really? Yeah. Sad that he died. I used to see him all the time in Springfield. Tell me something interesting about Anthony Mason during those times. He, he was really a cool guy. He was down to earth, hung with everybody in, in, the, in the neighborhood. Uh, he wasn't like, you know, like this kind of like, uh, you know, those stars that don't speak to anybody. He was, you know, he, he would always come around and be cool with everybody. He, uh, I had been reading or just heard stories. He basically in the, in the street was LL's unofficial bodyguard. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that. Like he would basically protect him from anybody messing with him. I mean, Mason was a big dude. <laughs> He's official, man. You know, he, he had crazy street cred, so you know, I don't, I don't see why not. He's nobody you want to mess with in the Scoopy Radio talking with Top Five. You uh, just in looking at your credits, two albums that I definitely um, think take me back to my college. Number one, um, G Unit's. Uh, Terminate on site uh, came out the year I graduated from from undergrad, and um, before I self destruct, uh, Fifty Cent's album came out uh, when I was in grad school, and mm-hmm. to me it seemed like the beats was hot, and it seemed like Fifty was reinventing himself because everybody was was high and drunk over um, Get Rich or Die Trying. Right. What was it like working on those two pieces of, of, of work for both G Unit and Fifty before I self destruct the terminate on site? I mean, well, you know with Fifty, like he he's an amazing artist, but you know, there's no favoritism. Like it's either you come with that great music or not, man. He's not messing with you if you if you ain't got it. You know what I mean? What was um the studio presence like with Yayo Banks and Fifty uh, and putting out the Terminator on site? Because my favorite song was I like the way she do it. Yeah, I like that record too. Um, basically, you know, it was an overall amazing experience because those guys are super talented. They were just going through record, record after record after record. You know, a lot of creating. You know, what I mean, they had so much music that that's why they kept putting out all those mixtapes because they had so much music. That's all they do is work and put music out. Now I'm I'm curious. You being a Queens guy, Fifty being a Queens guy, um, you worked with him, you know, in the last decade. Um, yep. he, during that last decade, you also worked with Ja Rule. You just painted mm-hmm. love album. Yeah. 
Right. Was there ever a conflict of interest because you you worked with Ja and then you go and work with Fifty? Well, it, it, I knew Fifty first. Really, that's the whole thing. He's from around my neighborhood. Okay. And at the time, I wasn't working with him. We was just we was just really cool. Mm-hmm. So when I got, I was you know shopping my music to Def Jam, and at the time, Irv Gotti was A and R. So you know we really wasn't really the best of friends. But he had that position, and I guess you know we, you know we 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 sucked up whatever you know misunderstandings we had. I played him some music, and it turned out to be Murderground. That was the first project I got on at Def Jam with him. What was Def Jam like back then? Def Jam was way more fun when it was on Varick Street. It was more like basically the real A and R's in there listening to music. You know, basically, uh, all the records was really being made. Artists was being developed. You go past one room and they'd be blasting some music and you see Ja Rule and Jay-Z. You go past another room, you see Chris Lighty, God, rest in peace, Chris Lighty. You see, uh, Chris Lighty, Foxy, um, Buster, you know, and then you go past, you go upstairs, you'll see, you see Leor. Like it was just really a real machine networking, you know, like you could just be in the office and get on like three projects. Hmm. You know, it was different. It was totally different than the email, nobody making records, uh, you know, stargazing kind of a thing. It was really, if this one co-signed you when you're in the building, like Irv, if you were in Irv's room, Leo sending you out to Bearsville to work with Slick Rick. Like it was, it was whole Totally better than nowadays. I feel like you could earn your keep back then because there was star power in there, but it was ADD as a mug in there because there were so many projects to be done at one time in one building and people weren't being as Hollywood then as many are now. That's right. You're 100% right on that one. I remember uh, someone telling me a story. Oh, it was it was DJ Clue. He was telling uh-huh. me what it was like being in the studio um, with Diddy in, at Daddy's house. And he said, like, Puff would be working on... During the time Biggie was alive, he'd be working on five different projects in one That's night. That's how it was. Get everything done. That's how it was. That's how it was. The networking was a lot better. You know, now it's really, you know, like I said, it's like stargazing. <laughs> it's, it's red tape just to get on a project. No matter how talented you are, it's more about the who you are. Speaking of projects, uh, you mentioned Virginia. Pusha T naturally is from Virginia. Uh, Pusha T and Jay-Z are part of the first single um, that you will be pushing on your new project, uh, your compilation album, Narcotics Remixes, which drops uh, tentatively June 4th. Um, tell me a little bit more about Narcotics Remix, Narcotic Remixes. Uh, Narcotic Remixes is basically my way of uh, expressing myself as a producer, where showing people I control what's going on, like I can pick any artist. You you paint the color of the of the song. You're just dealing with vocal. You're changing the entire record. So basically, whether it's the the tempo, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, the feel of it, whether it's dark, it's light. You know what I'm saying? You control that. And the remix, you know, I feel like the remix is is underrated. It was so big in the you know in in you know when Puff was mm-hmm. really really successful in his career on, on you know, with the Bad Boy era. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the remix is underrated and there should be way more remixes. 
So I just, instead of just dealing with one song I wanted to remix, I wanted to make an entire project album. And I feel like there's so many records that need to be reinvented that are classic, whether it's, whether it's a classic or it's a brand new record. I feel like it could be fixed. Where can people find this uh, compilation? On oh, my SoundCloud, uh, Pat Fife. Okay. Yep. And if anybody is trying to get with me, they can also reach out on my Instagram, The Real Ty Fife. You heard it first. Scoopy Scoop Radio talking with Ty Fife, The Real Ty Fife uh, on Instagram. Um, Prodigy passed away last year. Uh, was a was a yeah, huge sad. Um, and I think was an underrated mention at the BET Awards last year. Yeah, he was a great, 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 great artist, great dude, great all around. What does he mean to you as a lyricist? I mean, it's timeless. Like, you know, his music is probably more discovered now than before, maybe. You know, what he's, what his lyrics are saying, like, it, it's deep. You know what I mean? Like, if you say, uh, if you play uh, any of his records that, you know, upon his success, you know, those things is classic, and they sound even more new today. You can still play them. Do you think that's because the music today is trash? I, I feel like I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that's, like, bitter about the music, but I feel like there's still people making good music. I just don't feel like it's as authentic as the, you know, there's, nobody's being a and anymore. They don't put album sequences together anymore. They don't put their foot in albums. It's more like, if I got the single, I'm going to try to find a way to businessly, strategically sell this record. Here's a question I'm curious to know. When you were producing, you know, there was a New York sound. Nas okay. had a clean sound. Jay had a... I feel like Jay was a crossover, though, because he was Brooklyn, but he walked with a Manhattan swag. Uh, you you looked at 50, you, you, you know a G-Unit sound when you hear it. What Who personifies a New York sound? Or what is a New York sound now? There's no such thing as a New York sound. It was, it's just really just who puts out something creative first, that's, and then everybody follows. You know what I'm saying? I do. I feel like everybody gets inspiration from somebody. It's impossible for you to just, you know, like everybody, from Dr. Dre to to Pharrell, every last one of these guys, like Teddy Riley, like all of them are influenced by somebody. Before 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 God, it was the Gethin. You know what I'm saying? Before that, before like after God, you had R. Kelly that came out. His his music sounded like God. You know what I'm trying to say? So and then after that you had Jodeci. You had after Jodeci you had Drew Hill. So there's always somebody that listens. Like you know Dr. Dre study when he first came up with his you know his successful era in the '90s. It was all funk, which was you know uh, Parliament, George Clinton. Funkadelic, all of those people. So his inspiration was funked out. And at the same time, Puff, on his success, he was studying all the 80s hits, sampling all 80s hits. Mm-hmm. So you, you need, no, nobody really just, you always got to have an inspiration to do what you're doing. 
That's what I think. Buster Rhyme celebrated a birthday, a birthday recently. Um, and, you know, when I, uh, you know, I'm a basketball guy. So from a basketball perspective, I look at LeBron and I think that people are not going to totally appreciate LeBron until he's no longer playing. Um, and I think in a lot of respects, he is the, the keeper of, I just guess, fundamental basketball and being a student of his particular craft. Um, a guy that studied the greats is great and still respects and marvels people who are within his, his, his confines and those who are coming next. That being said, I look at Buster Rhymes the same way. I think Buster has found a way to reinvent himself and has been around you know, everybody. He, he went to Westinghouse with Jay and, and always. Uh, what you say? Always Buster reinvents himself. I agree. You know, my sister just graduated college and the fact that she was able to uh, recite Buster's uh, freestyle or rather verses on Chris Brown's song was like, yeah. wow. Yeah, because, you know, he, he keeps himself in line with what's going on, you know? You're a 17-year-plus veteran, or 20-year-plus veteran. Exactly. Uh, in, in, in the game. Um, where do you place uh, Busta Rhymes? Uh, do you put him in your Mount Rushmore of, of hip-hop artists? Absolutely. I feel like there was enough room. <laughs> Say that again? I just said there's enough room. I didn't want to, you know, I had to make one record. So, you know, on Mount Rushmore, there's four, there's four heads, usually. You know what I mean? Who? On Mount Rushmore? On yours, of hip-hop artists? I mean, right now on the record I produced, that's called Mount Rushmore. I got Eminem, Jay-Z, and Big. Okay. But uh, if I can put more, I definitely put more. What makes Buster special to you? I mean, he's versatile. He can, he can, he can, he can be real aggressive and hardcore on the record, but he can smooth it out as well, change his style, change the, the tempo of his style. Whether he's spitting extremely fast or he's, you know, rhythmatically maneuvering his style on a track. And that's, you know, that's timeless right there. Scoopy Radio on the line with Top 5 uh, has over 17 platinum records and over 10 gold records to his credit. Out of your 17 platinum records, what are you? which one are you most proud of? Every last one of them. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, when you look at, like, Jay-Z, for example, he always says Reasonable Doubt is his favorite album because it was his first. Uh, okay, could... so I'll say Rum Shaker since that was my first game. Okay. That was my timeless, favorite, most fun, memorable record. What made it memorable to you? Because it was the first time I ever was considered a music producer. I had a hit record on the radio in my early 20s. Um, I was with the biggest music producer in the world under his camp. I got to meet Michael Jackson that year, you know. Uh, I mean, the, the single went 2.5, the album went 1.5. If somebody plays it in the club today, it's still gonna knock. You mentioned Michael Jackson. I don't want to take away too much from Rumpshaker because I'm gonna go back to that. I mean, what was that experience like? Walk me through that moment. What was going on? Where were you? And how did it all transpire? I was in L.A. with Ted. He was working on, because uh, I was one of his producers, he was working on the Adams Family Values soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, um, 
we went out there. And we're working at the studio. He was working at Larrabee Studios. And he said, uh, you know, we're going to be working with Michael. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so I'm out there. And then he's like, uh, so we got invited to come to Mike's house mm-hmm. to watch the movie so we can get ideas for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So we went to his movie theater at our Never Neverland Ranch. It was so crazy because it's like a real movie theater. People really work behind the concession stands and, you know what I mean? I saw the Oscar, the big, a big tall one in gold. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it was just different. You know, you had a real movie theater. We in there watching the movie. I'm like, I'm watching a movie with Michael Jackson. So it was just a crazy. Yeah. You know, I went to the concession stand. They had Moonwalker candy. Wow. It was different. Yeah, it was just different. So it was the actual candy just for that place for for his for his movie theater. It was called Moonwalker Candy. Yeah, it was like chocolate, like people have Hershey or you know a Kit Kat. Yeah, Moonwalker Candy. Wow. It crazy. Yeah. Did crazy. you have to pay for a thing in that movie concession? It was all complimentary. Did I what? Did you have to pay for any snacks in there? No. <laughs> I'm trying to, I, I had the, I had the wrapper just to <laughs> just to you know show people I really was there. I don't know what happened to it, but I had it. Wow. Keep you ready on the line with High Five. Now, to go back to the Rump Shaker uh, song, uh, for those who are tardy to the party, uh, Rump Shaker was a song uh, that came out in August of 1992, um, and it was uh, from the hip-hop group Rex and Effect. Um, and due to the massive success, they said Whitney Houston's version of I Will Always Love You, uh, the song would advance to number two on Billboard's Hot 100 and number two on uh, hot R&B, hip-hop singles and tracks. Do you ever wonder what would happen if you actually got number one and Whitney wasn't number one with I Will Always Love You? Does that bother you? Not really, because it was so big. It, it definitely went number one in a hot R&B, I mean, uh, R- I think it was R&B albums, the pop charts, 100, Hot 100. Like It, it definitely went and did what it was supposed to do. It, 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 of course, it could have did more, but we we beat the number one rap group out at the time. It was Chris Cross Jump. Mm-hmm. Like, there was there was nobody bigger than that record. We had the biggest record in the country. I grew up playing the saxophone. Uh, I quit, but you know I still have love for those who do it. That Rump Shaker saxophone sample came from Darkest Light by Lafayette Afro Rock Band. Was that your idea or Teddy's idea? That was actually Teddy's idea on on the part of coming up with sample, and he didn't get it from there. He got it from the Public Enemy. They sampled it. Hmm. That's where we got it from. And what happened was we made two versions of Rum Shaker. We worked on it for forty eight hours. Like Rum Shaker was called Shake Your Rump. Ted took the, the record apart and said, "I want to give it a whole brand new face." So what happened? We took it apart, and at the time I was DJing, so I just I had so many records I was DJing that I would blend them. I was, I'm an amazing blender. And that's how I master remix and watching Ted and blending records. So at the time when we were doing Rump Shaker, there was this record that, uh, I think it was like some kind of remix with Supercat. that had mm-hmm. the, the Big Daddy Kane sample, the thing, 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 thing. So we added that. You know, I used to DJ, um, and I had the bridge, you know, the record, the bridge, MC Shan. Mm-hmm. I like the way, I like the way that used to move. So I had that. I put that in there. MC Light 
where it was like people start shaking and moving all around. Mm-hmm. I like that beat, so I mixed that in, you know, because it was called Rum Shaker. So we just tried to find anything that worked, you know, to make the people hype. There was Just Ice, um, where it said, come on, clap your hands, wind it up. So it was like mad samples just to get the record exciting. And then we had to, you know, when I used to mix in my set, I used to have the uh, check the rhyme where it broke down. It was like, um, um, uh, uh, uh. So if you listen to it, all of those samples are in the the, 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 the Rum Shaker record. And I was the, Gentlemen, first, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was six years old when the song came out. I grew up in a Christian household. My parents tried to restrict everything, but I caught up in high, in college and high school. And that song to me, uh, it made more sense to me, you know, in college. And because um, you guys sampled, uh, or rather used the illusion of I like it by DeBarge, that line, uh, I like the way you comb your hair, I like the size clothes you wear. To me, that yeah. was like the coup de grace to, to the whole piece because it, it, it embarked so many different avenues of just 80s, late 80s, early 90s. When you look at Cardi B's um, song, The Finesse Remix, do yeah. you get any chills or reminders of what that era was like when you guys were putting out music? Yeah, because that was all Ted. That was his, that was Ted, man. Ted is the innovator. He was changed music. Like, he had, he changed the sound of music. Like, for you to change the sound of music is big. Like, people make music. Quincy made music, but Ted changed the sound of music, the style. It was like a, a lifestyle and a sound at the same time. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, like you see how you see trap? I wouldn't consider it the same way. It has its own sound, but, you know, it's successful in its way, but the way New Jack Swing was, it was a whole different thing. To me, um, the Neptunes were, you know, they say you always remember music when you start hollering at girls or when you, when you, when you, when you get some or just when you was the man or you were the woman. To me, the Neptunes equated that for me in high school. Songs like uh, There She Go with Babyface, um, just uh, Give It To Me with Jay-Z. And, you know, even in college, listening to Snoop Dogg's um, uh, Roll Me On My Arm and I'm Doing Sean Dogg. For me, um, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't realize that Pharrell um, was a protege to Teddy Riley and in the studio with you guys. Pharrell is a musical genius, not only for the fact that I met Pharrell being down with Ted. He was part of the camp as well. They went to school across the street from from Ted's studio at Princess Anne. So that's how we met. Him and Chad, there was another guy named Mike Etheridge. That was with them, and Tammy used Tammy Lucas used to roll with them, and it was just different back then. They were so talented; they always had, you know, the uh, the input on stuff. Ted loved his ear, so that's how he got incorporated with Rum Shaker. He didn't produce it; he he wrote part of Ted's rap. That hmm. that's really what what happened. What was he like? Oh, Pharrell? Yeah. He's just a cool down, down to earth dude. Like, he's just really cool. Very humble, good guy, man, you know? Do you think that when it's all said and done, like, when you look at how you made the, the reference to Teddy Riley and you talked about how Teddy, you know, had the, the way to change, you know, he changed the music or he set a standard. Quincy had that same ability. Do you think in the next 10 to 15 years people will look at Pharrell the same way? I feel like, just as a producer, they look at him as a genius. 
I just don't know if he changed music. I think he advanced music. That's fair. I I think that's fair. I think Pharrell, like I said before, I'm partial because that was my era, and I think he's a musical genius too. But man, when I started researching and I saw that Pharrell was with y'all, I said, "Wait, what? Skateboard?" A lot of people was down there, man. Rockwilder came, Rodney Jerkin. It was crazy. Like we had a lot of people that was talented down there that was coming to work. Uh, Kelly even passed away before he started. So it was just mad people, like. It was different, you know? Rodney Jerkins I like because Rodney blended R&B and gospel. And he created... He, Genius. He, yeah. Genius. Yeah. Uh, he, did, uh, uh-huh. he did the stunt remix with um Kirk Franklin. Yeah. No, he, he, yo, listen, man. He did uh, What About Us, Brandy. That Everything he did. I, I like all his music. Say my name. Like, you know, another inspiration. Him, Pharrell. You know, said like amazing. How do you want to be remembered? I, if 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 I don't make music ever again, I feel like I did enough that was already remembered. You know what I mean? I was a part of history, different eras of history. So that's memory already. One of the things that I find interesting about you. Um, your top five TV uh, reminds me a lot of watching Joe Butt TV with Joe and Tahiri uh, a few years ago. Um, top five, t- top five TV allows the world to, uh, to see firsthand how you make uh, some of hip hop's greatest beats and run your production company. Was that kind of something you did on a whim, or, or did you did someone say, "Yo, you should do this"? What made you decide to uh, really do that? Because some people say you're giving away the, the recipe for free. What made you decide I'm- to do that? I feel like it's always good for people to learn. So give them a tool to, to pay attention to. So at the same time, at that point, hip hop was, was getting more visual. Mm-hmm. So why not show people how it's done and do it? Ty, you work with Slick Rick, one of the top three, in my opinion, best storytellers um, in hip hop. Um, do you subscribe to that theory? And and what songs um, did you do you take most pride in working with Slick on? Well, I worked on his uh, his uh, album on Def Jam, uh, the Art of Storytelling album. Basically, he uh, it was just a, a time where Slick was back in Slick mode. You know what I'm saying? Because when he had got locked up he didn't make that album that everybody remembered him on. He always made great songs, but people wanted that album, that kind of an album. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I was at a good good time where he was basically really creating those other kind of stories that people was really looking for. I like when Jay and R. Kelly remixed The Return. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Because they did the mirror, mirror on the wall. They did, they did the return, and they did the, they did the remix. Yep. For me, um, when I look at Slick Rick, I, I think I look at Biggie, and I think you know Biggie was a good storyteller. I think Jadakiss is a, is a good storyteller. Yeah. I also think Styles P is a great storyteller. Yep. Working with Styles, um, 
I guess my question is, it's a two-part question, but when you look at styles and you look at how hip-hop is paying so much attention to mental health um, and and weight loss and, and all those other things, why do you think, or rather, do you think that for as much success um, as hip-hop artists have, the goal to get to the top can sometimes be draining and affect your overall health to get to that point? Of course. Tell me long more. Night, long nights in the studio, like people eat bad, stress, you know what I'm saying? From from uh, media, from aggravation of just haters, like, you know, all kind of stuff. That's why, you know, you got people in there doing the wrong things. Well, you gotta you gotta maintain. You gotta kind of plan out everything you're doing. And keep positive. How did you endure? Well, you know, I'm not really the kind of person I was brought up well, so I always pretty much listen to people and follow the right, the right, uh, the right crowd. But I was definitely around a lot of the other crowd too. You know what I mean? Because I'm from the street. As the same way, I was just brought up well, so I have a little bit of both with me. When do you think that being from the street um, was not a prerequisite in hip hop to be an artist anymore? When did that change? Meaning, well, I look at guys like Kanye, who was a producer and nobody took him seriously as a rapper. He was a backpacker. I look at Pharrell who wore pink polos and they thought that he was a nerd, but he puts out bomb ass tracks and, and can, and can rap his ass off. It's not indicative upon them, but when do you think that, you know, I think in the nineties and the two thousands, a lot of rappers sold their stories, selling drugs, gang banging and more. When did being from the streets not become a prerequisite for being coming a rapper? As soon you answered your own question. As soon as they came around, it was called Avengers Nuts, like the movies. Is that good or bad for hip hop? I mean, it is what it's gotta be a balance. You know, everybody can't be tough. Honestly, all the people that talk ain't tough anyway. Where I'm from, it's like you don't, there's no such thing as keep talking about it. It's either you do it or you don't. Scoopy Radio on the line with High Five. Cleveland Cavaliers are in the NBA playoffs going deep. <laughs> I'm Utah Jazz, I'm sorry. You a Utah Jazz fan? Yeah, listen, I played two games. We're going we're gonna to talk about that on another day, too. No, no, don't, because Donovan Mitchell did his thing this year, brother. He's one of the best players in the NBA as a rookie, period. So is Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons the NBA's rookie of the year? I would say Donovan Mitchell just because I'm rocking with the Jazz. But you know what? People got their own opinion. You know what I mean? People are going to hate and say, oh, well, they didn't make it. Yeah, they didn't make it, but... My team, regardless, playing 2K or not, in real life, Rudy, Gil- Rudy Gobert is a problem. Defensive Favors player of the year, problem. potentially. Huh? The NBA's defensive player of the year, most likely. Uh, let's see. I'm telling you, all great players. Joe Ingles to shoot people's eyes out, and they're not even giving him edge. So I was telling people about Kyle Corbin for years, and there, there you go to Cleveland recruiting him. You know what I'm saying? Had three blocks the other night against uh I'm just saying, Boston man. Celtics. I know yeah. basketball, man. You know what I'm saying? Did you play in high school? No, but my best friend was in uh supposed to go to NBA. Who? Uh, actually, he's supposed to go pro. His name is Lass. 
but you know okay. he, he he went to Norfolk State. He, he he was he was a great basketball player when he was doing his thing. You know what I mean? And now he's coaching kids in basketball. Ain't nothing wrong with that. The give back is there. Of course. So, so I want to take a step back because 2K wasn't out in the 80s and the 90s. How did you just automatically become Utah Jazz? And I got pressure a little bit with that, bro. I can't let you off light. I, I've been new to Utah Jazz. It wasn't. I'm not. I haven't been a fan of them consistently, but I know about Stockton, Malone. You know what I'm saying? Horn right, Russell. Like I, I know. I know their history, Russell. You know what I'm saying? I'm a fan, but like now to me, they've developed enough people. People. They keep sleeping on Alec Burke, man, because he got hurt. But mm -hmm. he's a lot better than people think. You watch next year. You'll see. The Knicks were never in your equation in the 90s. Were you more of a Michael guy in the Bulls, or did you like the Knicks and Stark? I like I liked the Knicks at different times. I liked the Knicks when Bernard King was playing. I liked the Knicks when Latrell Spivo was playing. I never liked them when Melo was there. I liked Jeremy Lin. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. You know, I'm not a hater. I respect him. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't do nothing, man. Like, he didn't do what he's supposed to do, man. I think there's, the Knicks rushed to get mellow because the net, they thought the Nets were going to get him. There's, there's no excuse, man. At the end of the day, when you got people like Mitchell coming in as a rookie, holding the team down, maybe averaging, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, doing some serious work out there. And your name is Carmelo Anthony? You're supposed to be turning up some... I like them better on Syracuse and the Nuggets. Yeah. Am I wrong or am I right? Nah, you on to something. I think he was well coached by Jim Beheim in Syracuse. And I also think um, his time in Denver was in New York. Denver, there was no restrictions. New York, you got the microscope on you all the time. I'm just saying, man, when Jeremy Lin was in for his little five minutes of fame, <laughs> I was excited to watch Jeremy Lin play. Hey, you look, Jeremy got a check, man. He got paid off that Knicks experiment. What they need to do, I'm gonna tell you what they need to do, because the future of the Knicks is dangerous. They need to get, they need to let Trey Burke really be somebody that they look at to work with Zangers. They need a super center, because in order to win and get to the finals or get to the playoffs, you need a three. They need a, they need a solid three. And so it's proven in basketball history. In order to have a, once you got a three, you're gonna make it somewhere. And a bench. Scoopy Radio on the line talking top five. Yo, I've always wanted to know this. Why is it in the 90s, from your perspective, the 80s and the 90s, that you always had Long Island rappers that claim Queens or Brooklyn? I mean, that's just that's how they are. Queens is that place, man, you know. Speak up to South Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> Queens that place, man. Listen, the great. My man LL Cool J is from Queens. Run DMC. I grew up on Run DMC. I I've been around for some errors, you know what I'm saying? And still around. So, you know, I'm from that. You know what I'm saying? When those tours was amazing. You know what I mean? What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Keep working. Huh. Plain and simple. Sick. Do you think that if LL had never have came at cannabis and, and if cannabis had never come at LL, their careers would have been completely different. Of course. I mean, well, it, at this point, it's like, Cannabis should have just continued to, after he had a buzz, to doing what he was supposed to do, and that's make good records. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And that's what people just they don't get it mixed up. Once you got the popularity, it's not about trying to keep doing what you're doing. You gotta pay attention to what is the the science of it. How to make a hit record. Because that's all people really want to hear is a hit. And again, you intertwine with 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 rivals. You. <laughs> I mean, I'm just always around that. Like you know, what I'm saying? so how. I listen. I'm not getting involved in all that stuff. You know, I'm sure. cool with everybody. Sure. How you you? That, that's kind of how Khaled is. How do you do that? When like without naming names, if people bring up somebody that they don't like, do you just not talk about it? Do you not comment? I'm not gonna listen. I know how to keep it cool, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm not here for that though. You know what I mean? I'm here to do my job. Scoopy Radio Scoopy on the radio. line with the man. You the man. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm not the man. You the man. No, no. No, no. You the man. Anytime you can work with Teddy Riley, Beanie Siegel, Jay-Z, A-plus, Ja Rule, Cannabis, and you can also do the intro to Cameron's Come Home With Me, that's a big deal. I'm trying, man. To me, I think Big, Big Pun uh, was one of the most underrated lyricists to ever live. I, I actually put him in my top five. Um, oh, man. He was the best, man. One of the best, man. What? You know, they say everybody has their thing. Jay doesn't write his lyrics down. Um, what was Big Pun's thing? He was just really just... He was just talented. Just his rhythm on the tracks. You know what I mean? There's, the way he would approach it. I think A Z is another one, um, who was who was always um who was talented. I don't think got the the buzz he deserved. I don't know if it was promotion. Like I look at I look at um I look at Cassidy. I think Cassidy is a great freestyle rapper, but when it came time to promoting, he, he didn't get that, that type of buzz. I look at A Z in the same category. It goes um, back to the song though. A lot of these artists, A could be my favorite. You have to learn, like, all successful artists understand, you're in the business of music. It narrows down to having melody in your chorus. The chorus is the biggest part first, and it has to have some kind of melody to make it, like, you know, familiar or repetition to make it catchy to make it a hit. You You can't be the biggest artist in the world on just being a battle rapper. I just don't see it. I haven't never seen it. LL made hits. I need love going back to Cali, Around the Way Girl, this one, Lounging. Those were, the battle records was not his, his biggest records. You understand? The songs for the ladies was the biggest ones. Exactly. And those are the melody songs. Ja Rule's Holla Holla was for the thugs, though. Exactly, but that wasn't his biggest song. It was always on time. This it is was, true. You know what I'm saying? It was all those kind of records. Down, uh, you know, all of the hit records was all melody songs about the lady. Were you? Um, I guess for I guess my question about Ja Rule is, I asked about cannabis and I asked about LL. Do you think that his beef with Fifty Cent legitimately watered down his brand? I feel like, you know, because Ja Rule was a superstar. He still is. I feel like what took his 
energy out is him feeding into 50 because mm. he was the one making all the hits. 50 was coming up trying to make hits. 50 started doing what he was doing and Josh started doing what 50 was trying, you know, to take the attention off of Josh, what was doing. You know what I mean? So it's like 50 came in on the gangster music, but once he got the attention from Ja making all the love songs to start the beef, 50 started making candy shops and just a little bit and all of that. You know what I'm trying to say? I do. I think 50 always, I think in my opinion, I feel like 50 came at him and used him as motivation because he really wanted to be where Ja Rule was at. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But it still comes down to the hit records. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like you have to know how to do that part. You know what I mean? Like, to me, Jay-Z was never, he's, a, you know, hands down one of the best ever. It's not the best. You know, Big, him, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when you look at all his hit records, when it came to the chorus, the biggest one was probably the one with the melody where the feature was on there, like New York with Alicia Keys. You know what I'm saying? Like I agree. Those records was the records that really took it over the top. It, the the rap, of course, he was super inclined with the you know with the skills of the lyrics, but it was those records. It's always going to be like that. Any artist, you got to make it where it's you know radio. Whether you want to say smooth down or you know whatever you want to call it, it still got to be that approach. Ty Fife on Scoopy Radio. Before radio. I let you get up out of here, a lot of folks are listening and. Uh, maybe up and coming guys want to know uh, how they can get to where you are. The foundations, the fundamentals are the most important thing, in my opinion. Just like in hoops, you got to learn how to play defense before you can score. Um, if you could simplify uh, for those listening, how to uh, kind of, I guess, get their first break, or even, yeah, I guess, get their first break. What would you encourage? What advice would you give folks uh, who are listening? Okay, so you got you got it where it's like uh, now that you're in the future, everything is a little bit more easier. Social media, the internet, you can get yourself out there a lot better. I feel like watch the greats who did it, and also it's within anything you have to build a team. If you're gonna be independent, because you're gonna start off independent, you have to build a team. You have to be that record label. You have to know what department record labels handle. So if it's somebody, because you can't do it all yourself. I mean, you might get lucky, but nine times out of ten, you're going to need that team, like within anything, whether it's basketball, uh, music, or whatever, you need a team to get to the next level. I'm with it. And, you know, I mentioned Cleveland earlier, and and, and what I wanted to say to you is um, you work with Bone Thugs and Harmony. They're from Cleveland. Right. Bro. What was that like? Oh man, it was you know, like I said, man, in my whole career I did I worked with a lot of people I always wanted to work with. So I worked with them and like you know, that was something I wanted to do and I did it. You heard it first, Pat Fife. Make sure you guys check out Narcotic Remixes. It comes out fourth of June. Pusha T, Jay Z, Eminem, Jay Z, Biggie. Takashi 69, Michael Jackson, all those people. And I know that I said uh, Jay-Z twice. That's how good he is. But 
all those people on one setting, all on your SoundCloud, brother, you're going to break records with that uh, narcotic remixes. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Scoopy Radio, over and out. Scoopy Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.